So that's cool, cool man. Cool, so cool. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll yeah, I should kick off here. Uh, I'll do my formal introduction first. This is the next episode of the Comedy Guy, and uh, we're doing. It's the first time that I've ever done one on Zoom. I did yesterday with Carl and Ardo on Zoom. I learned how to do it. So now here we are because it's lockdown. We've got to make do. And this gentleman is a good friend of mine who I have known for at least 10 years now. Canadian comedian living in the south of Sweden, Mr. Joe Egan. Welcome to the show, my friend. Joe Egan. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. Joe Egan. Egan. You're- it's it's actually 13 years we've known each other, I think. And we were just about to launch our own English clubs in Stockholm and Lund on it- October 8th and 9th, 2008. It is 2008, <laughs> shit, because I trace it back to the first uh, shows of Comedy Estonia, which we're going to get to, which is 2010, right? But, uh, of course, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, I yeah, trace yeah, it yeah. back. Yeah, Laughs at Liffy, Wisecrackers was 2008. Yeah. You're older mm. than you think, sir. Mm. <laughs> I am. We've all got white in our beard these days, I think. Yeah, yeah, mine's very symmetrical. I love it. <laughs> Not just me. I wouldn't hate to have that so, one-sided white. Is that what you don't want that, Joe? You don't want that one-sided Oh, no, white. you wouldn't want that. No, you're looking very spiffy yourself, by the way. Oh, thank you. Got, oh, yes. Got my cut, got my lockdown cut. I'm looking good there. You got your headphones and do you have to do many uh, Zooms and, and meetings and stuff? Well, what work are you doing these um, days? What are you, what are you hustling? I think this is my third Zoom ever. The first one ever was... My uh, my sister, she arranged an online party with me and about 15 other people like on videos. And she's really into these a yearly event called 80s in the Sand, which is a bunch of people in their late 40s and 50s go to Mexico or somewhere else in the Caribbean. And they have maybe 20 bands. Maybe there'll be one band, which is like Billy Idol or something, like a, like a name Mm. grabber you know and then uh, i was so we were i was getting uh, drunk with my sister and all these people all around the world it was really weird very surreal that's cool <laughs> i okay. think you're my you're my third one yeah all right we're so doing it. <laughs> so i mean we as we said we're going to get to the full story of the the adventures that you and i have have been to but the, i mean for people who yes. don't know you you're a Canadian comedian. You've been living in the south of Estonia for a long time now. Was it how many years? Uh, Sweden. Sweden. Sorry, what am I fucking? <laughs> what am I fucking? Canadian comedian living in the south of Sweden uh, yep. for a long time. Fifteen years. How many? Am I wrong? I moved here. I'm coming up on exactly twenty years in August. Twenty years. Twenty. Years. 20. Hot yeah. dang, brother. Okay, so you've yeah. been there, and you also run clubs and still run clubs, just as I do in Estonia. Yes. And so you're a comedian. Yeah, I run clubs in, uh, see, so an English club in Malmo, Gothenburg, Copenhagen. That's sort of like one tour that comics okay, do. Okay, yep, three. That's and, three uh, uh, Luxembourg, comedians come down from London for the Saturday. They pop in and out. Yeah. But, of course, I never have two British comics on a show because then the show would be too British. Right, Lewis? You know what? They, they, fuck the British. Fuck London. Fuck all <laughs> Too their many cr- British comics. You don't want that. No, you don't no, want them then, in so, I'll mix it up. There's like a ton of Canadians and Aussies, you know, living in London, so it'll be mixed up. Sure. And then another tour is uh, Eindhoven, Hague, and Amsterdam. That's so, that's so interesting. Yeah, so are you still so uh, sorry? Eindhoven, The Hague, and Amsterdam. Yep. And I've always found that that's one tour so fascinating about what you Joe do you do Joe that you like right into that that you would go oh I live in Malmo but I'm gonna run comedy shows in Eindhoven, Amsterdam, and The Hague, like countries away. Yeah. How do you completely random handle that? How do you do the? How do you uh, how do you deal that? Not Google being, Docs. Google Docs. What's Two that? words. Google Docs. How so? How does that help you? 
Well, I, I like, you know, I'm an organizing freak. I have all these like templates cut and paste ready, you know, info for comics, you know, everything you can imagine. The getting the bus from Eindhoven Airport to the, the central station, finding the hotel, just cut and paste, you know, all that stuff. And I've been, you know, I guess fine tuning that since. Oh, when was the first club I ran? Was uh, the day after you opened yours? Was I think October 9th, two thousand eight or nine? I might get the rear year wrong, actually, buddy. Maybe two thousand nine. <laughs> God, it's also it's also long ago. <laughs> Maybe two thousand and nine might. I yeah, think it's nine now. Yeah, nine yeah, might yeah, hold yeah, yeah. the 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 calendar because two thousand ten yeah. was the first comedy Estonia shows, and then I don't think it was two yep. years before that. It was only one. No, one yeah, year yeah, before it was, that. It was. Things moved true, pretty true, quickly. True. So that yeah. you can, I mean, that you, and then you've got to travel down to uh, Eindhoven. You've got to, but like, it's not as easy to just run a club. You've got to make a relationship with the venue. You've got to talk to the yep. venue, make sure their shit's set yep. up properly. The, the venue manager like is switched yeah. on and knows what the fuck you're doing there. Like, how do you maintain yeah. those relationships over a distance? Um, well, I'm, if you imagine there's probably eight tours a year, so I might attend maybe five of them. And I got a bunch of, comedian friends in Holland who maybe uh, a lot of the shows now it's sort of smooth process where they sort of run themselves. I don't mean like I don't have to be there or send any info, but maybe a comedian friend will go be the host. He'll also have a friend who maybe runs the door and I'll pay his friend something, you know, it's, it's a, it's pretty, it's pretty random. You know, Eindhoven is an expat center, but Amsterdam is a proper theater. So I don't even need to be there. There's a sound guy and all that stuff. So that's the way man. Changes. Yeah, man. It depends on the venue. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very cool thing that you've managed to do because I, I've kept a small domain, the small domain of Estonia. Maybe we used to go as far as still a little in Helsinki, maybe a little up to Torku, yeah. but even Torku is like fucking too far. Uh, Riga even, we do Riga because we have a lot of lat local yeah. Latvian. We have comedy Latvia as well, which oh, but yeah, I've yeah. set that yeah, up yeah. to run itself. I don't have to – I'm not in the middle of the day-to-day – of it's a whole business yeah, on good. its own. But yeah, you are yeah. always so adventurous to be able to to get out there and what about promotion? How do you get to people in a in another country? It's three countries across. Mm-hmm. Um I'd say about 30% of the people who come are in this group called meetup.com. Mm-hmm. So each each big city in Europe, there'll be a number of expat groups on this sort of meetup.com. It's a little more I think organized and and uh and less sporadic than Facebook can be. It's hard to describe. And then, you know, they tell friends, but it's basically about building up an email list, I think. You get, mm-hmm. you know, people buy a ticket, they leave their email, and you sort of save that somehow. <laughs> Very good, Joe. Very good. Because email is like one of those things over the years we've been told to use it. No, then don't use it. Yeah. Use it and don't use yeah. it. And I'm always back and forth, and I have to admit I haven't done that in our market here, but okay. So a distributed market right. like you, you've email yeah, has like, always been the key. The, the, the sort of goal is the story I heard is laughter in Oslo. So they've been running many years mm. and they're very successful. It's a very successful comedy complex with Christmas shows and solo shows and everything. There's two rooms. It's amazing. And I, whenever they have a show, they want to sell more. They just, you know, Press, press one button and the whole email list hmm. goes out to, you know, 100,000 people or whatever. And then then they usually, they're usually quite full. So that's where you want to be, I think, in my opinion. It's good. I don't like to, I don't like to, I'm pretty lazy at heart. <laughs> you say that, but you've done something that's more energetic than I think I could, which is get out and, 
establish this over a larger base. I never, I mean, we did yeah. have email lists for a while and then we let it slide and our social media was going well, but we're, I mean, we're a little bit different. We've got a very small geographic land to cover in Estonia. So no doubt email yeah. would be good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a good thing, no, no, no. but we were able to well, hustle around Well, the thing is it. I'm technically retarded. So Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, I it's like Chinese to me. I don't yeah. know. I, I really suck at that stuff. <laughs> like I can... I, I translate for IKEA on Tuesdays. You should see the light bulb, light bulb in my in my hallway. It's like a real hack job with silver tape. I don't even know what the extra plastic cup thing does. <laughs> it's just a, a silver tape hack job. <laughs> Least handy person in the world. But emails, I know how to do. That, that's 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 about it. <laughs> that's cool. I guess I, I remember. I, yeah, I remember we used to do our posters in paint. In two, 2009 and really? <laughs> I think I was probably giving you shit back then. Like, Joe, what are you doing making yeah. your posters in what paint? Are <laughs> what are you doing? You can't do a poster in paint. <laughs> oh, then yeah, you for- send me your Estonian friend's name, Carl Johannes. Carl Johannes, uh, yeah, guy from Tartu. Yeah, so he still helps you out, great. still does designs yeah. for you. That's great, man. I use him all the time for my designs. Yeah, he's great. Good. good. Look at you, you tip-top Swede, outsourcing that work to the lowly paid Estonians. Good work. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm actually thinking of uh, pulling back a bit on the shows because I'm getting, you know, the energy is not as high and stuff, but it'd be, on the one hand, my energy and motivation isn't as high, but on the other hand, I put all the work since 2012 in these clubs, so it'd be stupid to sort of give them up. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's yeah. interesting. And I know we've we already exchanged some emails about that because I would say that I am yeah. in a similar situation when it comes to international shows. I mean, let's let's lay it on the table. These international shows, super cool. We love going to yeah. them. It's a great thing to bring yeah. the people together. But goddamn, there's yeah. no money. There's no money in yeah, yeah. these shows. Yeah. Yes, really, you're yeah. raking out a little bit here and there. Sure, it's not but Compared to the amount of effort, like for me, if I want to, you know, support us, I'm going to do the next Sandro Igas tour, the next Mikael Mema, Ari Mati, the Estonian guys, right? We know yeah. that we can put some marketing, it'll work, it flows. The Esto- Like for the amount of work that I have to put in for these English nights and maybe like Jimmy Carr's fine, maybe Gabriel Iglesias, yeah. if you could sell off your own name, again, not a massive problem. But these club nights, maybe you never heard of that. Maybe they're a great headliner, awesome headliner a great fun headliner from someplace, yeah. but selling that is disproportionately way more work than anything else. And I'm right, thinking right, about yeah. Yeah. that. Not that I don't love it, but it's a real fucking pain to have to do that. Yeah. It's a shame, man, because those are the funnest, yes. funnest shows ever I've ever done, you know. <laughs> you should do them again. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep thinking that because that's the, that's the thing. That's the, like, w- the sunk cost. You have that same thing. Yeah. I have it as well. We've been grinding uh, away doing these English shows for fucking 12 years or something now. It's hard. It's not a big profit margin on these, these ones that I do. In, in, um, well, Luxembourg, when it's full, it's quite nice. But the rest is kind of like... I don't know. I think uh, the way I saw it was, well, there'll be a lot of people in, in the audience who work at banks or embassies or big companies and they'll, and you know, the verbal announcement at the end, Hey, mm. you can hire us for company parties or whatever. And it's never really been where we've gotten a lot of corporate gigs out of that. So it's kind of disenchanting in a way. That uh, is I almost saw the doing the club gigs as a way 
to have audience members realize that they can book you for expensive, you know, priced comedy shows at their Christmas shitty Christmas party. Mm. But it never, it really hasn't been like that. So that's why I'm thinking of, oh, I got to find another angle. So I'm all about, uh, I think come autumn or to 2021 after this Corona crap is over, I think it's going to be more like trying to do these, uh, two to three hour, uh, quizzing games. Okay. You know, interactive like, sort of group. Yeah. Games, interactive. Yep. Yeah. Fun games, you know, throw paper airplanes, find a stranger on the street, get them to sing something. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious, by the way. You'd be very, very good at that. You're very, I think you'd be very <laughs> yeah. good with your personality. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love doing that stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I've, I found with us selling our private shows, it, we can do sales work and I have, I actually have a sales manager who works for like, she's full time working in sales and I do have to appreciate there's only she does a great job but there's still only so much she can do with our different packages it is a factor I think it's a factor of fame and more specifically it's a factor of tv fame when you're the one on the Mm. tv in that main media then that's hot um but if and it, it like where our guys, I think not me, but I think our Estonian comedians are pretty well known, but not TV famous yeah. specifically because we haven't tried to be that. We're we're famous, okay. I think, right. in the right circles with the right sort of people, but not the TV thing. And yeah. uh, it and also with stand up doesn't work everywhere. It doesn't work no. in every no. place. And I think something like your quizzes, interactive, talking, yeah. this can work in yeah. so many different, more different environments that we turn yeah. down so yeah. many gigs going, no, it's going to be dog shit. That is not going to work in this bar, right, right, right. in this cafe. It's going to be a bad experience for everybody. Um, so yeah. I like that you're finding solutions that are more adaptable. This might have a better yeah. chance of working. And especially with, I think, after Corona, maybe the social distancing where everyone has to be a meter and a half apart, you know, you got, it's going to be really people thinking outside the box, you know, how do we do this event in a big room and still keep people apart? I don't know. Maybe Mm. some kind of telepathic, (laughs) telepathic, you know, sort of. Yeah, whatever you said. <laughs> I mean, I've lived in Sweden too long. I forget my English words. <clears throat> but it's hard, huh? Because yeah. you've been, we've been doing these shows for so long that we think like, oh, I don't want to give up on them. Oh, I've been doing this so yeah. much. And I, I, I feel it. I feel it super strongly. And then I wonder, I think about those people who won't be able to come to a show. And, and when I say they're hard to market, I mean, no disrespect. Like no disrespect to people like, oh, you're piece of shit. Nothing, we're not coming. No, 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 no. It's just the yeah. nature of the game. It's cool. And I feel yeah. it too. Yeah. And I think yeah. I also am going to be taking a long look at what are my motivations for doing this. Um, mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. lockdown without the shows, I've really enjoyed myself so much. I don't have to do oh, marketing too. for another English show. I don't have to worry oh, so about my own little projects. Yeah. I've just been able to yeah. lead, look after my team. What? How is your thing? How can I help you? And I'm yeah. like, it's so much more than making another Instagram yeah. post or oh, you know, me I don't, that I don't email. even know how to log into my account. I think. <laughs> So I think it's hard decisions <laughs> I, to make. I, you got to make that hard decision, right? You've got to, you know, take yeah. the, take this quiet time and and justify it to yourself. Do you think you're going to be able to and reflect? Oh, reflect. Yeah. I do. I do love the traveling, and I do love hosting shows. Mm. And I think 
hosting shows is such an underrated art form. It's so different than just doing a stand-up set. Mm. And to really try and be great at that is really um, a unique sort of angle I've been trying to pursue. Uh, host as many shows as possible and just build up a repertoire of sort of thinking in the moment, okay, someone drops a glass, someone sneezes, someone, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, really fun. Uh, and I miss, I miss hosting shows, but I don't miss running the shows because I've just been so, it's been so nice to relax and mm. I've been painting again. Good. I'm thinking about writing, getting, finally writing my uh, comedy book that I've been thinking about doing, uh, like a semi-fictional thing about a, a divorced American guy living in Sweden. It's good. It's, it's, uh, where do you get yeah, these ideas be... from Joe? Where could they possibly come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was, um, it's been a, a long, um, ride since 2009, but maybe it's time for, maybe did not do clubs. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know. I, I get what you mean. Yeah. It's like, do I do this instead? Oh, but, and also, oh, I don't want to drop that market maybe. And then I think, oh, maybe if I got another employee, they could be the project yeah. manager of that English show. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know. If it's we, hard we, we ain't got no it money is left. So much fun to tell people, like, yes, yeah. I'm. I run the Luxembourg Comedy Festival. I run the Hague International Comedy Festival. How cool is this? Yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah. I got. <laughs> and so I don't want to stop being able to say that. <laughs> You're the man. You're the guy. You're the like this, and you have that sense of achievement when it's the night, and you know, finally, it all comes together. And you're like, yeah, this happened. I mean, yeah. with a team, with the contribution of all these people, but there's still a certain yeah. focus on you, and that's nice. That's a good feeling. Yeah, it's nice. I, I get a little uh, laminated little card and a, and a uh, thing around my neck. It's festival director. <laughs> Joe Egan. <laughs> woogie woogie, Joe Egan. He's the director. Chairman I don't of the board. have any budget to make make ones for the other the comics or anyone. <laughs> Just me. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. It's uh, I don't know what we're. It would be a shame not to do them. Uh, I'm very have fortunate. Have you done a festival in Estonia before? Like Estonia uh, Talon Comedy Festival? Or something? No, some other dick started to do the Talon Comedy Festival, but because oh, we, we specifically have not wanted to do festivals for the reason that um, we want to do comedy 52 weeks a year. We want to always yeah. be doing shows. So, and I think yeah. that a festival is, and again, no disrespect to anyone who does festivals, but it's more like you put all this effort in and it's a week or something and there's a lot of energy and then no one's looking at that for the rest of 51 weeks. And that's not how we want to mm. do it. So we're just, we're doing a mm. festival every week. We've got four to five yeah. shows happening every week all around the country. So yeah, we've yeah, never bothered better. to do something in that, that festival-y thing um, and take risks yeah. and do a massive thing and bank on all of that coming together. Even though it's very, like everyone, there's the fucking beer festival and the Japanese yeah. culture festival and the fucking knitting festival. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hand, handicraft festival, Cassita festival. Cassita, right. look at <laughs> hand job festival. Hand job festival. <laughs> Cassita, is that right? Is that, did I get Kazi, that right? Is that, Kazi, is that the same? yeah, Cassita, handwork, handcraft, handiwork, uh, hand job, hand job, hand job festival. <laughs> 
So no festivals uh, for us. We're doing, I mean, because we've got like Ari, the last tour, Ari Mati is, is one of our main guys right now. And I think it was what, 12,000 tickets we sold on his tour in January and February. Something cool. like this. So nice. the, the Estonian, for us, mm. it's the, the difference is, I guess we've developed these Estonian guys and they're the ones that push it. And even when it was the international shows, the, I found the best way to sell them was to put the main Estonian guys as the opener. They use their Instagrams to say, Hey, I'm opening this show tonight. And then that would get the attention. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. they would be happy because they got to do an English show. They got to support the the foreigner coming here. And that was kind of the yeah. technique in the end of how to get the people in mm. to put their favorite Estonians as the openers. Cool. 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 Very smart. Very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, cool. 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 So we're nice. actually, you know, if anything, actually I will, um, okay, back to the international thing. Part of the mm. difficulty of, I mean, let's say your Luxembourg tour, we got to have flights, we got to have accommodations, we got to make a certain amount yep. of tickets. We're talking, I don't know, how many people on average are you getting to one of these? Well, the normal show we do on a Saturday eight times a year is about 120 people. Nice. It's a great... And then I mean, festival nice. is maybe four or five shows over one or two days, mm. two days rather. And but the thing, like we we're talking about festivals, festivals, it's a lot of work and it's usually break even or lose a little, yeah. no matter what. It's mm. just really tough. Um, so, and even in Luxembourg where we got a really good following, it's, um, I don't know, like it's just more, it's better to do 52 shows, 52 weeks of shows a year. Mm. Like you're saying, I think it's the um, nature of the game. I think festivals need sponsors' money, which is a whole separate thing. You got to have the guys <laughs> who are good with the sponsors making the relationships, yeah. and that's a long-term yeah. thing. And I'm I'm ter I'm fucking ratchet at sponsors. Uh, we barely have any of them at Comedy Estonia. Yeah, I suck at that too. Just very I, I think small maybe things. Got to get a beer company saying call it call it the 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 Carlsberg Comedy Tour or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're experimenting. Yeah, what we're trying to do is, okay, so my point with all of that was that that's a, still a pretty big thing to even your three-night tour, it's in another country, even let's say Malmö, Gothenburg, Copenhagen, 50 mm -hmm. to 100 anywhere between that and in, in what's in those rooms. It's still a decent to bring a couple people over. So where Sander and, and I have been experimenting with ideas where we're like, how mm -hmm. can we lower the risk? How can we reduce the effort but still keep an English show? And Oh, um, I have an idea. Ooh, tell, go, go ahead. You want me to tell it secretly off off camera? Oh my god! Everything <laughs> I love Joe Egan. Everything is with this guy's like, hey, hey, hey! I'll tell you, I tell you, I'll tell you this idea, but I need a cut. All right, oh, here's the cut. You gotta give me no, a cut. No, yeah, that's <laughs> the, the inner courtyard idea. Jeez, that's so flat. Anyway, that's fine. The um, the well in Malmo and and um, Copenhagen and uh, Gothenburg, we host show in a four star hotel, in okay. a converted conference room. Mm -hmm. It's very cozy. The rooms are thrown in, uh, ah, so you don't okay. have any technical costs or room costs. Boom. Nice. Where, what? Yeah. Um, what we? What? Sandra and I are working on here is a. We we were ready to go, and then the corona 
uh, changed everything. It was, it was, it's oh. the, the show is basically some. We're, we're playing off the idea that people know Sander, and Sander has international comedy friends, and he would love to see them come to Estonia. He would love to do a show in English. He would love to see yeah. his friends come and perform in small. Inv- they don't need to be hundred. Actually, they don't need to be these bigger and bigger things. So the shows mm. are going to be called something like Sander's Friends for Visa or something like this. And oh, yeah. we just cool, get cool, cool. someone yeah. who's like back to the beginning, back to the OG days when it wasn't all about the writer and the guarantee and, you know, getting a bigger thing. Just someone who's pretty good who will come and hang out and they do like the week of open mics with us. So we've got oh, enough yeah. shows that they can do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with us. And then the Thursday would be some sort of gig in Tartu, some sort of gig in Tallinn and no big pressure to sell tickets like, 50 yeah. each we make just enough money to make to just enough money to get this guy's airfare and that's it if there's a little bit extra he cool. can have it and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know stripping the idea back stripping it back to the core yeah. of it again and oh, i think so we're gonna do S- more Sanders of those been over to edinburgh and met a lot of comics in england so he's Got some friends over there that he wants to bring, that he would like to see come over. Yeah, and all the guys do because last year we had a comedy yeah. Estonian show at Edinburgh, and uh, oh, I think Ari I and Carl and Sander. Ari and Carl were there for the whole month, but Sander was there for two weeks. The guys were coming. We sort of had the show for the whole month, and the guys came and went, and uh, you know we had like anywhere oh. between three and six of them there at once. So oh, cool, they eh? have nice. a lot of contacts. Yeah. They were out there doing it for themselves. It's not about me hustling. So yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. for that. Very fun what's the lowest stress version? And, you know, even if we only sell 50 tickets, could have sold a hundred, doesn't matter. Just that we made something happen. So how can you strip back your ideas? I'd I'd pay you to come on that tour. (laughs) (laughs) I miss it. (laughs) We got, well, that's it. When we get this one rolling, that would be nice because that was sort of the, the progression of our shows was they, they're always a bit bigger, always a bit more, always. And then all of a sudden where these, um, how to say, even comedians that we've known over the years. I mean, I'm thinking of people like Dame Baptiste, Beck Hill, Jamali Maddox. Yeah. When we first started having these guys, they were very small. They were the second. They weren't even the, 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 the headliner. And now yeah. it's years later and these guys are still good friends of ours. They want to come. But of course they've got an agent and of course they can earn a certain amount yeah, of money. Yeah, They're not yeah. being dicks. Yeah. They know that, yeah. you know, just like you got to give them something reasonable. Um, yeah. And so the stakes always go a bit higher. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to And they'll back. want like um, more than I think the effort is to sort of like if you have the friends that they met at Edinburgh, it's much better. Yeah. One guy, yeah. one girl coming over, whatever, or maybe you'd have two. I don't know. It's just so, it's so like the old, you remember the 2010, 11, 12 days, you know? Yeah. Can't beat it, man. Those are the best. <laughs> yeah, it was easy. There wasn't a pressure. And again, it's not bad about our friends who are, it's great that our friends have now risen up the ranks and are, you know, well-known and well-paid comedians. It's not their fault. They're yeah. just comedians trying to make a career, trying to earn enough money, yeah. you know, to get through. So, um, and that's why they have managers. It's their job to, to ask the hard yeah. questions. I think what you're going to actually find in about two or three years, especially after Brexit and with Corona, that like even now in England, what what I've heard is happening is like TV personalities uh, have come down a notch, and they're pushing the headliners, of the big clubs down a notch. Huh. So the a, a sentence that sort of sums it up is that I heard is that 
comics who used to say no to 200 pounds are now saying yes to 75. <laughs> That's basically sums it all up. That is uh, interesting. Everyone's being sort of pushed down a, a level by these, the TV ones going down and then the other, those ones get pushed down. So in, I think two or three years, you'll have a lot of comics wanting to do anything outside of England for maybe even just flights or hotel or a bit of both. Or I don't know what. Sure. But, but I get what you we'll see. I get what you mean. And we're all a bit like that. Like right now, uh, I got a couple of small little acting bits. I did one last week for an ad, uh, ad for a Finnish oh, cool. event company, and I got another nice. one coming up. I think they're talking about next week. But you know, I'm nice. giving them very good rates. And maybe before I was pushing my heart price too high. I'm not. It's hard to say. But now I'm like mm. for you, for you, my friend, Corona special price. This is price you like very good, very <laughs> good price. Special. I always write that Corona special. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> We've all That's got to adjust. Pretty, We've smart. all got to, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, get yeah. get by. So um, now, what? Explain to us the lockdown situation in Sweden because it sounds batshit crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's surreal here. They have made basically two rules that I'm aware of so far. That is uh, basically try and keep your social distance. That's not a rule. It's just sort of recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And then no gatherings over 50 people. And the one, my second is the favorite. It's the people are not allowed to sort of hang at bars talking to bartenders. They have to sit down and have the bartender bring them their drink. That's the second rule. So there's two rules. The first one and then that one. You can't just hang at the bar being drunk, bothering the the bartender. It's nothing to do with Corona. That's just a better thing. It's just a better way. So there's got to have table service. Yeah. Stop hitting on the chick. Stop hitting on the bartender, you sleazy fucks. That's what they, that's all they're saying. That's it. That's the only restrictions I'm aware of. And they closed to universities and colleges, but I think I know, uh, for example, my son is still going to school. Um, Everything's open. Everything's open. Yeah. It's just, business as usual it's a bit surreal how is i know the proportional deaths mm. are like double or tripled compared yeah. to denmark and holland and, and how stuff. does the swedish uh, here's joe egan speaking for the swedish people but from your observations how are they <laughs> reconciling that idea that like three times of those many of those motherfuckers are dying um i think that it's just a matter of their virologists recommending to the government had different graphs and simulations. So they think they probably figured, well, this number of people is going to get infected anyway. So as long as we do these other measures and keep society open, then we can keep the curve sort of, they, everyone's talking about this curve that needs mm-hmm. to be under a certain level so that the healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed. So they did, I guess, projections and figured out that at least in their calculations that the healthcare would not be overwhelmed uh, even with keeping society open as it is and that's what i heard and even now that uh, the society's open and i guess the healthcare hasn't been overwhelmed so okay uh or not Mm -hmm. by too much and is anyone sort of going yo but all these extra people died like is anyone is that a question that's happening in the media and the the society right now i think a lot of sort of grumpy expats are probably posting on a lot of forums and things. But that's about it. Wow. 
So it's just does, <laughs> you it's not like a, a massive a social grumpy, consideration. A grumpy British guy living in Sweden 30 years with like two ex-wives and three kids. He's sitting in some house somewhere and he's like writing on the forums, you know, oh, I don't agree with this. No, 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 no. Fucking Swedish government. <laughs> Oh, that did. I mean, that sort of that guy's looking to disagree with anything. He hates. Yeah, yeah, yeah he hates yeah, the place. Yeah. He, hates place. he pisses. He's pissed off at those two bitches that you know <laughs> took his life away and he can't leave. Like he's dirty already. But it's funny uh, but that he's the, secretly happy because he's yeah? not in England right yeah, now. I know because right. England doesn't have water pressure in their showerheads, so he's happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, those those expats. When I met. And we haven't even got back to the Sweden story yet. But when I was in Stockholm and I, I met expats yep. like that, they fucking scared me off. Like I was so, yeah. oh God, I'm like, yeah. I'm not ending up like this. I'm not staying here. I'm not being one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, you made a good move. You were in uh, Stockholm 2008 to nine for like a year or something, right? I think it was kind of two, but yeah, the the, the second stint was about a year so yeah, yeah, yeah all right yeah. let's uh because maybe this will i mean people who listen to this podcast probably know i, I was fucking traumatized by my time in sweden and i'm no fan <laughs> i'm no fan of that but um does okay it, does but, it have anything to do with the, your ex no <laughs> no no only in that she is the personification of sweden in that she right. extols swedish values and like to me it was like okay how do you like for me it seemed like Sweden there and this is the the corona thing is a great example of this they're quite sure of themselves they're quite sure yeah. that their Swedish way is the way and that's what we do and we're doing our thing and to yeah. me the corona is a excellent example of that like goddamn people are dying but they, that's what we do we selected our way and we're Swedish and I guess I could never get into that because I'm not that and I couldn't blend in or couldn't adapt mm. and so forth. But you clearly have after 20 years, for better or for worse, you clearly yeah. have been able to yeah, deal mean, with that. How I, do you? I, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's nice here. And, um, you know, I think Estonia is pretty much the same latitude. I mean, hmm. there's nothing that beats a really nice sunny spring or summer day in Sweden or Estonia, right? There's no... Humidity, like if you go to Canada or to the States in the summer, there's humidity, mosquitoes. You can't be outside. It's, it's like an oven. It's awful. Yeah. So I love the summer weather. And it's, I'm sure you have mosquitoes in the woods in Estonia. Sure, I mean, absolutely. But, I, mean, you know but I, mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah I have a nice like, deck it's now. Like it's great. so nice. And the sun up is, uh, is up so long. And um, yeah, I like, I like it here. Yeah, you know, and I've, I've got my son here. You know, he's 12 now. And, oh, lovely. Yeah. I live in a, a nice area in Malmo, Lund. It's a nice southern, near Copenhagen. It's 30 minutes away. You know, it's a nice, nice sort of geographical area. I good. like it. Oh, yeah. good, man. That's, um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. You always seem more comfortable than I did in that circumstance. Um, I mean, when I, whenever I was in Estonia, I was like, this is great place <laughs> too. Like, it's really nice there. <laughs> That's love true. Tartu, love talent, love uh, Paranu. Paranu was fun. Yeah, apparently, yeah. So let's go, okay, so let's, uh, we'll, we'll tell the story. So we met, it's 2009 we worked this out, and yeah, I'm yeah, living yeah. in Stockholm, you're living in Malmö, and mm -hmm. I've just started comedy, I've just start, I've just done my first open mics, uh, some outdoor venue, 
on Soda or on the edge of Soda Malm somewhere. I forget what it was called. Um, yeah. And you've already been doing, and I decide anyway, so I do that. And after not long, cause I had some experience running some theater shows back in Sydney. I started to yep. uh, organize. I met this one dude, uh, Pete, and we'll get to the story of Pete. Um, <laughs> and we started to make a club called laughs at the Liffey in English show every week and that's about the same time maybe just before that i met you you're in the south of sweden and you how yeah. you've been doing comedy already and you started you thought to run some shows what was happening yeah i started in march 2007 and doing open mics in english and swedish i was trying to like find my voice um and then i started doing uh corporate shows with with a powerpoint show that i use sometimes mm. very fun and then uh, I got talking to a friend um, who's half American, half Swedish, and we got the idea to start a club at the university in Lund, at one of the student pubs, which a lot of the international students hang out at. So we did that. And then I, I think there was an international show at Uppsala University, and we I invited you there too, didn't I? I remember or, going to one, I think maybe James there as well, because James lived yeah, up there. Yeah, and um, what's his name? The guy in Lynn Shopping, Ben, ben Kersley. Ben Kersley, okay, uh-huh. Yeah, and we I think we all crashed at your ex-girlfriend's place in Stockholm. Did we? Fuck. And, and Ben was snoring so much that we told him he was snoring so much, and then he went and found out that he had a tumor in his throat, <laughs> and we... He would have died if we hadn't have told him. Yes, that. I remember that part. God damn that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And huh. then we were starting our club in in Lund, and you're the one Liffey. Hmm. At uh, I remember they were the day after each other. Right. Just and the yours was the Friday. Yeah. And ours was the Saturday, I yeah. think. And you had the honor of being the first ever English speaking comedy club in Sweden. And I missed it by one day and I was, remember I was really grumpy. About yeah. It. I'm like, I don't care. Like, cool. Like <laughs> wasn't a, wasn't a big thing for me, but right on. And so, yeah, we, it was just coincidentally we'd met and then kind of independently had these ideas that in our places, we're going to run these English, yeah. English comedy nights. Yeah. Huh. And then you quickly had a nice experiences with this guy. What's his name? Pete. You Pete, said, it. yeah. Pete, so yeah, Pete. <laughs> because I was, I was suffering, I was suffering from super strong anxiety back then. So right. even to the stage of like, I remember, I think it was a day or two days before the, sh the opening of the show, I was down at the Liffey just hanging out. I remember it was really cold. It was still quite anyway, end of winter. And I was just having a yep. nervous breakdown. I was so nervous about oh, doing right. something, running something, making something, yeah. doing anything. And I couldn't right. handle anything on my own, but I'd met this older Irish guy who'd lived in Stockholm for a long time called Pete. And he seemed assertive and he seemed to know what he was doing. And uh, he did a bit of comedy as well. And I said, okay, we'll do the shows together. And mm. I we we started to do the laughs at Liffey and it was pretty successful. Uh, we were mm -hmm. 50, 50 kroner, so about five bucks to get in. Yep. It was every week and we were filling like a hundred people. We're getting nice, in that yeah. downstairs. We were getting good amounts of people, which meant the money was coming in. I mean, five bucks, yeah. hundred people every week. All of a sudden, yeah. there's a little money. Oh, not quite that, but not like five hundred every week. But there was a little money there, and yeah. Yeah. we started to host. And as the weeks gone on, went on, um, I started to understand that he was a really negative, manipulative 
person. Mm. And he would yeah. always throw these really negative, manipulative comments at me to throw me off. Mm-hmm. And right. I remember like one time I hosted the show. Now I'm not a great host. I wasn't trying to pretend that, but he comes up to me after the show and he says, Lewis, we had complaints about you. And I'm like, what, what, what do you, I was, a, I was a host. It wasn't great, but I was a host. What's the problem? He's like, oh, well, I'm like, well, who, who said he's like, oh, they've left now. And, and it's a classic scenario when someone wants to gaslight you and fuck with your mind, make claims yeah, yeah. that are unverifiable. Yes, there was complaints, but I can't prove to you that there were complaints. <laughs> and he became so. How many shows did you do with? Did you do with him? I want to say we almost got up to about three months worth of shows. So every week, uh, so it was about three months in, and and for me it was such a, I could feel this shit going downhill. He wanted to host. He wanted the door money. He wanted the whole thing to be about him. Now that it right. was running, now that it was a successful thing that was happening. And the thing was that the comedians liked me. I was the one talking with them because I was the people yeah, person. Yeah, He's yeah. just this grumpy old yeah. fuck. So I was the Shit. one connecting with everybody, with you, with the venue, yeah. getting guys like yeah. Isaac Janssen was coming along. You know, Magnus Benir yeah, drops yeah. him one night from My Hustle. Yeah. Ahmed's coming yeah. down. Uh uh, so we're getting nice. these great Swedish comedians because I'm hustling and yeah. So then he's becoming more and more weird, more and more manipulative, more like he has to host. He has to be the main guy on the stage. Um, and I'm, I'm not dealing with this well because of the anxiety, because of, uh, I wasn't, you know, it was so hard yeah. for me to do to that. I did this thing that I had this baby that I made this thing. And now this dude was um, like using these weird negative tactics to push me out. And I was super unhappy about it because I couldn't counter yeah. that level of negativity. And I remember also he got weird in that. I mean, lo and behold, he was also creepy. He would, he wanted to, he was like, Oh, we need more women comedian. So I'm going to run a, like a, a workshop for women comedian. Just him. Hey. <laughs> and it's so creepy. Creepy, creepy. And there's like creepy. one woman there and she, and I was like, oh, it's like, oh. no. Oh. So he yeah, was doing- I remember meeting him. He seemed a bit of dodgy, dodgy, creepy guy. So Jeez. creepy. Did he- did he screw you out of money? Or I remember you moved to Estonia soon after that, didn't you? It wasn't long because I had to make that. Yeah, I I don't know. Oh yeah, because even things like uh, you know, one night we had a special night with Jason Rouse. Jason Rouse, Canadian comedian, was there mm-hmm. as a bit of a headliner. I I can't remember if we upped the ticket fee or whether it was eight eighty crones or a hundred crones or something instead. And I remember yeah. after that gig, Pete was nowhere to be seen. Like he, so Jason comes to me, hey man, can I get my money? And I'm like, oh, you haven't been paid yet? Oh. No way. Like Pete was trying to hide from the headliner to not pay. So I found him somewhere out the back or some shit. Eventually I'm like, yo, the money that we agreed to give to Jason. And and shit shit like that. So eventually, yeah, he was pulling all these like, fucking gaslighting tricks on me and making me feel bad and saying this and that Mm. and the whole thing. And I understood for my own mental health, I had to walk away. 
And that was a very mm. hard thing to do because I created this yeah. thing and now to I'd finally done something with myself and to understand this dude had manipulated me out of it. But I had to walk yeah. away. And yeah, I did. Yeah. And that's when I let it go. And I think that's at the same time the first Estonian shows were coming along. And that's, yep. that is for sure the first experience that made me understand how, like when Comedy Estonia came along, uh, how when I started to treat the comedians a certain way, like the group I wanted it to be was influenced because Pete fucked me over so bad. I knew how bad yeah. it was to have something, to have someone manipulative and take it away from you. And it super yeah. influenced yeah. me yeah. in that. Yeah. So I'm glad. And I, um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the yeah. guy. Is, is everything cool, good? Man. Do you yeah. need to take a break? Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then the, the guy, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, my dad has some really famous expressions. He was Irish, right? This guy, Pete? Yeah, Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's five life sayings to sort of uh, live by. Okay. Uh, never ask questions you don't want the answers to. No. Life is a series of compromises. Mm -hmm. Pride is expensive. <laughs> Uh, don't worry about something till it's a problem. Okay. And the fifth and final one is never trust an Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> Indeed. I learned yeah. my lesson with that guy. And I, as much yeah. as I, I mean, I, and then, yeah, and that was when my relationship was breaking down in, uh, in Sweden. I think I was already living in my own apartment by then. And yeah. I decided we'd just done the first shows in Estonia and I was like, I'm out, you know, I'm out, I'm out of this place. Um, yeah, yeah, and as yeah, I understood, yeah. James McKee told me later on, I mean, it, that club went downhill pretty quickly after That's I left, good. as I understood. That's do you know good. any, do he, he you deserve that it should go down? Quickly. Have you heard anything I mean, more from that guy? Do you know anything more about him? No, nothing. I, I did a random show for an expat group in Stockholm, maybe a year after that. Mm. Uh, at Liffey for Internations, and it was a completely separate event. And uh, he was nowhere to be seen. I think I, don't, I think even the management didn't even know who he was anymore, or something. So yeah, right. One of those random older Irish guys that, that falls off the map. And that that's bit of foreigners, right? Like he had clearly, and he hated Sweden. I don't even know what he was doing yeah. there. I never understood that he still have kids or something, because like he fucking did not like the Swedish people at all. Yeah. No. 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 And then you you were in uh, went to Estonia, which is like an amazing place, and you were happy happy right away, right? Well, happy no, actually, yeah. um, the the intermediary is that I spent that year in Helsinki. Because the oh, yeah. we yeah. the yeah. the comedy wasn't taking off. Well, we just started to do shows. We didn't know that it was a thing, and so mm -hmm. I lived for a year in Helsinki. So, okay, so at the timeline, so that's about the time then that uh, I met Eric Sufert, I met Stuart Johnson, I met Andre Tuch, and we said yeah. we're going to do these shows. And I said, yeah, I know this guy. I got this guy. Uh, I know him from Sweden. He's going to come over. He's cheap. He's going to come over. And <laughs> good, good and good and cheap, yes. Yeah, and he's yeah. going to come over and be our headliner. And that was you, Joe Egan, our yeah, headliner for they those. The first ever tour. So how did you feel April. before we said we're going to do shows in Estonia? I mean, what, what were you thinking before you even came out here? I was thinking um, that is going to be awesome. Okay. And I was right. It was. 
<laughs> and it was a really good time in in my life for that to happen because you know uh i was sort of maybe going through a bit of a rough period person personally in sweden so then i remember that was a tough over yeah. And, yeah. and uh just to be the headliner and just just really feel like a a king in a way it was really really cool i loved it The it best. was special shows. The first two nights, we didn't know what they we were, were doing, so we booked two nights at Vilda. Uh, we thought yeah. maybe 50 people would turn up. We were, we were praying that maybe yeah. 50 people would turn up if we were lucky, and the room, yeah. 150 plus 150, the room was full the yeah. both two nights. So much fun. And then we're down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. great energy, great vibes. I have that video at home. I'm going to pull it out. I got to pull this out. I have oh, right. the video yeah, of those, yeah, yeah. at least one of those sets. Nice. I gotta, I gotta release a bit of that. All right. Text Oh, good. I, just, I was saying thank you to the guys who came and changed my dryer. Okay, change the dryer. What do they have to do to the dryer? Change my it. dryer broke due to it being too old. Okay. So now I have a new one. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> It's included in the rent, so I didn't have to. Oh, okay, do that's great. And yeah. so then, yeah, we were at Mukku. I mean, and you know, the, the, those nights at Mukku downstairs in the underground after. Oh yeah, so good, very fun. <laughs> Mukku, Mukku, my favorite, favorite bar below sea level. I mean, below ground level. <laughs> <laughs> that's sea level, probably too. Depends on the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of good memories. Very fun. And then we did, uh, didn't we did one in Tallinn too, of course. In um, was a drink bar. Drink bar. That's correct. Yeah, we we'll pull the coffee yeah, table yeah, yeah. on the coffee table. Remember, everyone's standing up and on the coffee yeah, table. Yeah. Oh, do you remember? I had a, uh, I had a really. I think it was the second time as a drink bar. Maybe a year later or something. I don't. I don't remember. Mm. And um, I have you know my albino nudist jokes and you know albino nudist midget vegetarian jokes. Mm, classic. <laughs> classic. <again. laughs> Do you remember there was an albino? Woman there was the a audience? lady. There was a lady with that whatever the yeah, she got, condition. She came is. up to me. She's like, I didn't like your jokes. <laughs> She was cool. She was a fan for years. I appreciate her. But yeah. I didn't see you next to that white wallpaper with the red polka dots. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, that was that first show at Drink Bar and it was the coffee table and I would stand there next to the entrance of the bar and uh, we kind of yeah. just had one shoddy light pointing on us and that yeah. show was also so full good. and that was also a... Uh, I didn't... Um, maybe you've got some similar experience joe but i didn't appreciate at the time but how much it helped us that the um we were at the start of the stand-up comedy thing in estonia but we were also yeah. at the start of the craft beer thing and those two audiences yeah. really overlapped did you find some overlap when you were working in the south of sweden around that time and that sort of um, more sophisticated audience not a, craft, not a craft beer kind of way but definitely Um, I think just having English language stand up in general, like the, especially the internationals living in Gothenburg or Malmo or wherever, they're really all over it. They really appreciate it. You know, it's sort of like, I, I'm not really, as you said, it's a lot of work to bring over the Jimmy cars and the other, and the other kind of big names. And that's never really been my sort of intention. It just sounds like a lot of work. And, uh, I like the sort of, You know, lineup feeling. Maybe no one's ever heard of the two comics who are yeah. the pros coming over, but 
they know they're going to have a good time. And that's, that's what comedy I think is more should be like a rough, rough, a little bit rougher club setting than a sort of a, maybe a stiff sort of theater setting with rows, you know, it's hard to do crowd work and, and heckle and things maybe in a theater. I don't know. No, different, different things yeah. for different, different styles. Definitely. And the, and the, I mean, the yeah. drink bar was the, the original drink bar was the epitome of that. It was, everyone was standing up. There was not uh, even like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. They were all standing, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. So much fun. I remember those. And to think that I was, my set was getting by quite okay. And that was 10 years ago. And um, I just imagined what, how different would my set have been if I knew with the jokes that I know now, you know, it's kind of like, I, I definitely would have done, wouldn't have done all my midget albino nudist jokes probably. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, it's definitely a thing. I mean, the, um, I was talking about this on a podcast with Daniel and Tim the other night that it's, it's like a reflection of the material we did back then was popular, yeah. but it was also a reflection of the state of the comedy scene back then. Yeah, and yes, we were the yes, first yes. ones. Yeah. It was new. We were trying these jokes. We weren't great, but no one really expected us to be like the top headliners either. We were just all appreciating this thing that we're in together. And then as the comedy scene naturally grows, yeah, the sophistication of the audience grows as well. Mm. And I think then mm. the job is on the comedians to also grow with that sophistication. And we've also yeah. had to, to grow as well. And no doubt with your scene, you've cultured this scene over 10 years. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they want something yeah. more. You've educated that you've done this job for them. You've done really well at it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a lot of sort of like, uh, whereas before you could get away with a lot of maybe jokes that knock down on, on whatever people, but um, mm. it's got to be a little more clever and um, PC these days. Absolutely. Do you feel that? You feel that incoming of the PC culture, particularly in, okay, I mean, yeah. you're Scandinavia. I mean, if I have a guest rookie or half rookie and they do like a joke that falls flat and it's not really, huh. and I'm like, oh, you know, oh, this is maybe 10 years ago, but uh. yeah, right. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you have one bad show and it takes about a, a year to repair the damage. So yeah, right. I'm always a bit sort of worried that someone's going to, bomb extra hard but i'm pretty good at picking comics now like i think since i haven't really made a huge mistake with booking anyone in maybe two or three years i mean i'm really i make sure that i get the a green light from you know people i know in england or other promoters before i really consider someone so it's uh, it's a very learning experience i'm still learning um you know, before you would like to have maybe one or two rookies or local acts, but then I just, I just did all the, I just like, it's still, you got to buy those guys two beers and their train money and their, and their other money. And if they do a really bad rape joke, you're going to kill the audience and then they, it's not worth it. So no more rookies, you know. <laughs> I guess that because we've got, I mean, here with our, our local rookies in Estonia or open micers, we have actual open mics for that. So we've yeah. got yeah, open mics and there's yeah. a progression that they can move up through. And yeah. uh, uh, we just had actually here with our, our Comedy Estonia crew, we created uh, a tour. We called it Vaskaveti in Estonian, which literally translates to the fresh blood. 
and it was ah, yeah. okay. it was previously it was number two. It was previously called Best of Open Mic, and that's a dog shit name that nobody likes. So we found a cooler yeah. name for it. But essentially, that's what that's it was cool. that those comedians that oh, haven't progressed to their hour yet, but that were and so it was a better branding, Vascovetti, uh, and that was really successful. Um, just cool, you know, yeah, we did five, oh. six shows, or maybe anywhere between fifty and a hundred in each show. And when you set that scene correctly and say, "Hey, these are young comedians. This is not your most famous national ones." People get it. Yeah. They they understood. There was no problems at all, and everyone did well. It was a supportive environment, and yeah. Um, yeah so we're we're sort of creating those tours where maybe that tour that level of tour didn't exist before mm-hmm. um i tried to uh, interesting on on the other sort of side of the spectrum i tried uh, like the pro shows i have are called usually showcase just, okay. that's yep. just a name yeah and then in luxembourg last june was my probably most recent big mistake was i tried well i want to rent a theater and raise the ticket price by maybe so like maybe 75 percent and have something called a premium showcase. So I had five comics. I had Krishna Shutalo, Phil Nickel, uh, Alice Frick, um, Marcel Lucomte, and I had Keith Farnan. Good so lineup. Good lineup. Yeah, sick, sick good lineup. Yeah. And I called it the premium showcase. And it just did, I just, just missed the mark, did not sell well. I was expecting a full like 270 people. There was about 67 people and, uh, you know, I was, uh, it was, it was a big, big hit financially. Like, and, uh, and it, so I'm still learning, still learning, mm. you know, but I, I, I wanted to sort of maybe, maybe every city have a, something called a premium showcase once a year and then people would get it, that it's going to be an extra good show, but they just didn't get it. Well, 67 people who came they got it, but it's tough, <laughs> man. That that premium international show, we've tried that at various times with various, also various levels of success. And like I was talking about before, we've stripped back, stripped back the idea. Now it's goddamn Sanders friends for fifty people. Like we keep stripping back the idea because I mean yeah. we were doing. I think the last one. I think we have Fern Brady in uh, Kino Supras in Tallinn. And we were very fortunate that Fern sold well. And I think we got up to 210, 250, but we haven't done. Ooh. Oh, only because the original venue of 170 closed down. And we were like, oh, uh, right. we even won. I think, no, I think it might even 150. I can't remember. Like much smaller. And there's nothing else, nothing else that I could do but book a 210 fixed seat cinema. And mm. very lucky that Fern is such a great comedian uh, and, you know, she's got a good image and the clips of her sell really well that, mm. uh, you know, we actually got it up to 250. We put chairs on the floor and that saved everything nice. and, and turned it into a profitable thing. Good. But I definitely, that yeah. mid-range, like I think either end of the scale you can do. So like small 50, 80 seats, no problems. Big names, Jimmy sells on his own name. No problems. Yeah. It's the middle no that's tough. Yeah. It's Marcel Lucan. Tough. It's Keith Farnham that no one really knows, but are great comedians at a certain pay grade, which deservedly they should get. Um, yeah. That's the tough part in the middle to convince people to pay a little more when they don't really know who they are. Yeah. I think that without even knowing it, you've definitely um, – done exactly the right thing you've you're focused on estonia and uh just 
I'm actually a bit jealous. It's like really, really good what Man, you're doing. Dude. I think I'm really, I really admire what you do. It's uh, I, I was trying to do that with Luxembourg a little bit, like trying to be there a lot and have an open mic scene going and all that stuff and, and really build up local talent and even have shows in Luxembourgish and stuff. Hmm. But um, I just lived too far away yeah. and it, it wasn't possible. And that it's really, it's really good. Of course that, yeah, it's really good. I'm really impressed. Thank I've you. always been impressed with what you, you do, Louis. I think that's, thank you. <laughs> I think it's hard from afar away. Uh, like even without <laughs> without comedy Latvia, I understood I, I don't have the energy to go four hours on a bus to Riga. And that yeah, comedy yeah, Latvia yeah. sort of languished and was nowhere near as developed as Estonia, nowhere near as developed. Um, and yeah, it wasn't okay. until... Uh, my colleague Dana and I together got down there and we said, uh, we're going to hire a guy. We're going to hire a young guy to be a project manager and he's going to get the open mic sorted out. He's going to straighten them out because uh, they were all haphazard being run by a comedian. And, you know, that was, where was the money going? No one really knew and it was fucking weird oh, yeah. and all that shit. Okay. So this com- project yeah. manager, this young guy, he's going to sort it out. And then, um, and then he, he was so successful at sorting out the open mics that the local comedy Latvia comedians started going, Hey, I, I got this show. Can you promote it? Can you promote it? And until we took that Good. leap of, of having that. And then I understood as well, after having, a local guy employed in Riga that I can't be supporting him every day. Uh, I can't, mm. I, I just don't have the bandwidth. I'm not that good of a communicator. We've all learned to communicate a little better thanks to lockdown on, 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 vo- on Zoom and shit. Um, yeah. But the irony for me was that he, when I did let go and I was like, I can't, oh, just you go, you go for a while. He went so much better. When I let him go and I wasn't on him every week, uh, nice. he took yeah, it, he yeah, ran yeah, with cool. it. Um, he's making something of it now. And that's a thing. It's a thing in Latvia. It's like they got their own little tours going on and and they fill nice. me in and I just make sure there's enough money in the bank account just to keep going. And uh, yeah, so, you know, without that, I mean, that cool. that's the thing. Like, I guess I'm trying to deflect your, you, you said very kind words and I appreciate that, Joe. Um, you know, it's, it's like deflecting (laughs) kind of, because it is so hard as you know, to be the comedian and the organizer and the business guy to be both at once. It's a rare, it's a rare breed. There's a few of us. I think there's you, me, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Fuck them all. Everybody else (laughs) don't know what they're doing. It's a tough, and it's something I wouldn't, it's something I wouldn't wish on anyone else, you know, if you don't have that ability and even that I'm not even like, I haven't progressed. I, I mean, I haven't really done stand up for a couple of years now, not like yeah. with new material. Yeah. I was just getting back to it before the lockdown and uh, you know, it, w- it was just getting too much to have to run these shows, organize these, mm. build that yeah. team, do yeah. all of that and then produce new material. I mean, how have you kept yeah. it together in all that time? I and mean, having said that, um, you're still well, performing in the last two years. So, yeah. Well, I'm hosting all, almost all my shows. I host them. And, um, but like, for example, I'll be booked sometimes to do sets. I, w- I was, did the whole run in Berlin and Dusseldorf just last month mm. in, with Quatch. That was really awesome. Um, but I'll new material. I'll like sort of squeeze into my hosting. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll, uh, find an angle with an audience member. I'm like, Oh yeah. Did you know? La, la, la. So, uh, I've been sort of slowly 
making sure I keep my stand-up um, fine-tuned in that way. Mm. Um, because uh, coming back to what we're talking about, how yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's really a rare breed of comedian, businessman, organizer. You know, it's very like some comedians. You know, you just look at the the way they mess up sometimes. You're like, how can this person tie their shoes in the morning? <laughs> like, you know, I had a comedian was supposed to fly out and they got the year wrong. You know, shit like that. <laughs> and you know, and and uh, <laughs> like, how do you get the year wrong? You know. And then a comedian, I heard another story. They were supposed to get on a plane to Budapest and they get on the plane to Bucharest or they, they go to the gate for Bucharest instead and miss their flight. Like, you know, you got to wonder how some of them don't still have enough promoters wanting to book them. Because yeah. that's what we want from artists in a way. I mean, yeah, okay, you got to have your life shit together, but, you know, they need to be free to do that. And after we, we experimented a little bit at, the early days of comedy Estonia with having the comedians help out. And then I came to understand yeah. that I can't employ a comedian. Like I don't wish that, you know, at first it seemed cool, you know, Hey, get a little job with comedy Estonia, help out with the shows, you know, get some behind the scenes. And we soon yeah. discovered that's far more of a curse. Um, you know, you, the, the, to be the actual job. If you want to help do some bits and pieces, chip in, that's great. But to be the job, like it's your job yeah. to organize this show. And if you don't do it well, Lewis is going to be upset. This is not a great situation for a comedian no, that's, to be that's in. too much pressure. Nobody wants to make you upset. No, no, no. <laughs> or me. <laughs> but coming, like you, you, you said that I wanted to, to return to our little stories before of the, the first days because yeah. I mean, you spoke that when you first came to Estonia for those first shows, that that was a difficult time in your life. And that yeah. this was a free thing and we could see it. We could absolutely see Joe Egan was the happiest motherfucker on the face of the planet. Just jumping <laughs> up and really down. Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. He was <laughs> loving it. And, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I, don't, I can't remember if it, I think it was before that. I think it was the first, I was still living in Stockholm. It was, right. and I wasn't happy in my life situation either, living in Stockholm with my ex-partner. And you had some shows in the south of Sweden. Uh, mm -hmm. Fuck, I can't remember where they were. There was a college, some, uh, anyway. Um, and and, Phil, bar, yeah. and yeah. Phil came, Phil Schwartzman came from Helsinki. And Phil, yeah, Phil, Phil yeah. I took the train down. Phil flew because Phil doesn't have time for that shit. Remember that? Phil doesn't have time yeah. for that shit. <laughs> he flew down there. I joined him down there and we did those shows. And for me, it was like, because I was just, I think I was still dealing like first or second winter and I was not dealing with this darkness well. I still don't deal with it well. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. the first days and I was so unhappy in my life in Sweden, but you showed me these great shows and we had fun and we were comedians oh, and we went drinking and yeah. there was the first, the snow started to melt. We were south a little bit. So it was still slightly, yeah. I saw some sun. And for me, <laughs> that was actually the thing that brought me out was your tour that you put on with Phil. So thank you, oh. Joe, for- Oh, well, my pleasure, sir. No problem, anytime. Ah. <laughs> Phil Schwartzman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he wrote he wrote a book how to pick up a Finnish how to marry how a to Finnish, marry a Finnish woman how to marry a Finnish woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember I read it, 
And uh, I said, it's a great book, Phil. Did you notice these typos on these pages and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I remember he said, fuck, because he was so mad because he had like 80 friends proofread it and no one picked up those typos. And I... <laughs> <laughs> That book was, uh, it, was it was number one in Finland for quite a while. It was a uh, it was a popular oh, book nice. back yeah, in its yeah, day. Yeah. And then he got divorced. Yeah, so then he got divorced. <laughs> he moved back to he got Nokia to pay for the move back to America, and then Nokia oh, really? made him redundant a couple of months later. So he got the free move back to America, and they gave him a fat payout check in the end. So he got the golden <laughs> parachute all the way home. <laughs> nice, nice. I remember. Um, um, I've got this new bit about how men flirt in different ways in different countries and it ends on a bit like if you if you want to have the best advice of any man who flirts with any woman in any country, this is what you do. Any guy can do this. Mm-hmm. You go to Finland, you go to Helsinki, you go to any nightclub on a Saturday one hour before it closes and you go to the middle of the dance floor and you just stand upright. <laughs> Within about a minute, four Finnish women will approach you from six different angles. The math does not up, but Finnish women, they can do it. Because they're all thinking the same thing. Oh, he can stand upright. I, he can perform sexually. I take him home now. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to stand. Because every other guy is like puking in a corner on himself and, the, and another guy. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember being in the McDonald's of, of the Hesper. Not the, sorry, the, the McDonald's of... Helsinki and there's a guy at like 3 a.m. The guy's just lying on the floor and everyone's just stepping over him. Like, it's cool. That's what Yossi does. Yossi fell over. We he sleep on were floor. You, but were you weren't you with me when we after the Uppsala gig, we we're at a McDonald's Burger King. There's a guy eating a Big Mac but sleeping as he's eating it, and his face is falling into the Big Mac. <laughs> I, I could swear you were there too. Probably. I forget so many details, Joe. Oh, my memory is rat shit. <laughs> uh, it's great to, to hear the stories again because I have so many little yeah, this was fun. details along the way that uh, yeah. that I forget. Yeah. It's um, It was so I- interesting days to, I don't know, it was it was easy, well, not easy, but it was all fresh and new and, and, and different to us. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like those days down in the south. Traveling around, trying things, you know? Yeah. Well, when Corona's over, be sure to start up that, uh, the idea that you had of having uh, Sander and friends, 50, 80 seaters. That sounds like a good time, man. So you're going to have a little think now about what you're going to do. Yeah, cut it back, strip back the idea. Just come over. Oh, just actually, come. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm thinking that um, I should change the shows instead of flying two people over each time. To fly one who I know isn't going to bomb, of course, yeah. in any way. And then to have the first half with like rookies and up-and-comers. Because mm. really to try and make the profit margins and better so the motivation is up. What do you think of that? I don't know. We did that a while ago. Yeah, we switched. Because for years, as you know, it was the classic headliner plus somebody else. So we had for yeah. years, it was the headliner for 25 minutes. And then we always had someone come and they got some money for the headliner gig. And then we had the first yeah. half closer. They did 15 minutes and they typically didn't get money, but they got their expenses paid for. And that right. was a beautiful program for us because so many comedians that are popping now came 
like for free and we got to see the really early versions of them and i want to think even yeah i think jamali maddox was in that i think brendan burns is the headliner and, and jamali was, was being that first class we really made a lot of great connections and that was a good thing yeah. but yeah i eventually came to the same conclusion you did like two flights we've got this headliner yeah. who can do an hour and they're only doing 30 minutes uh yeah it was a harder sell so we eventually moved to just one headliner doing an hour and then the Estonian guys doing the openers and uh, two, I don't know, host and then two of them doing openers and then an Did hour. Did you have a break? A break, yeah. We always have a break in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that might be the way to go. Do you not have a I'm break right now? Or how do you have? Oh, we do have a break. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, I would, I, I, my only hesitation, I think, uh, is that if you have one of the openers sort of fall a bit flat just yeah. before the break is announced, everyone's like, ah, talking in the break. That was shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so like how to avoid that? Cause I hate going into the break on a, like a, on a low. Yeah. That's hard. Cause you want the audience, you know, to be happy all the time. So, so you have to assure um, that quality from the locals, which I mean, now with our Estonian guys, we're pretty sure, you know, they can put together a set and we're all yeah. pretty sure they're all fairly accomplished comedians who can switch the language true, fairly true, true. easily. But yeah, for you to, yeah. to make sure that I, I don't know, even if you could say the, the if someone, I just make I sure know, that yeah. they, I, they, I just instruct them to do their best closing right. joke at the end of the first half, no matter how, which comedians I have. Ah, there's an idea. Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So yeah, the hour, cause then you get just one comedian. They're doing an hour anyway, but that, what that did for us though, I guess the thing to be wary of Joe is that led us down the path of going up and up a bit more because yes, it was cheaper, to because there was only one flight and yeah. one hotel and all that kind yeah. of shit, but then we ended up paying the headliner more, and I wanted yeah. to. Now I don't need that person to do thirty minutes. I need them to do an hour, and as you know, that's still a lifetime of difference. To hold you know a great hour to really smash that hour is really, uh, I I would say a, a step above, a rung above. Now maybe. Your 30 yeah. minute headliner could already do that, but maybe, maybe not. So we had to, I wanted to ensure that we've got this smashing hour happening. So I did sort of take a step up with the headliner, which, you know, then made the extra amount of money and, and, mm. and, and so forth, even mm. though the expenses were saved a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. And if they have an off night, which can happen, then, then it's, that's the only one. Yes. Uh, pro that the people saw so it's a bit it's really catch 22 in some ways but maybe if the host does 15 minutes before them then they just do 40 minutes if you think i mean because you can't often tell like we've come in we've run into difficulties in estonia a few times because it's me booking right it's me this guy booking comedians and this guy likes what he likes and sometimes mm. I don't get it right. It's not the comedian's fault necessarily. It's just that, I mean, the, the, the classic circumstance was booking Brendan Burns and Craig Quartermain doing a show about race relations in Australia, playing it in Tartu. And right. the whole connection, like, because I was like, yeah, Burnsy, I want Burnsy and Quartermain's going to come and I fucking love these oh. guys and they're going to be great. And the story goes that they're in a 
I think we've got like even 150 to 200 people in this room in Tartu, a bigger room than and the, uh, that we were before. And got, I think they're about 15, maybe 20 minutes into the act. It's not going great. And in the fo- yeah. and Burns, he's firing up because Brendan Burns loves to fire up, right? Ah, Brendan Burns. Yeah. And he sees a guy <laughs> in the fourth row with his phone. And Burnsy, and we know Burnsy, Burnsy can get like, ah, ah. So you see the fucking nuclear bomb winding up in Burnsy. He <laughs> is, he's annoyed. This crowd's not giving him love. And he see, and he's about to unwind. He's like, wait, he goes, young man, what, why are you on your phone? And you see oh, yeah, he's okay. building to the atom bomb. And this guy, this meek Estonian dude says, well, you used a word coon and we don't know what that word means and i was asking my friend if he knows what it means they're using too much lingo right okay and and you saw i loved it because i don't know if the crowd picked up on this but i know brendan a bit so i could see this atom bomb of brendan burns and just immediately have to dissipate because he knows it's not this guy's fault. Burns, he knows yeah. he's used a coon. It's a really horrible slang term for, for Asian yeah. person or for, sorry, or for black right. person. And, yeah. and that's when the, 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 the gig changed <laughs> and he and Craig went, Oh fuck, this is not going well. And they just stopped. They sat on the edge of the stage and started to do crowd work and said, so what do you guys know? And they're like, not much. And, you know, they're like, and I loved it in the end, but that was a classic example that this ultimately was Lewis Ezrin's fault for booking the wrong show. I I love when sometimes you have moments though in the shows where I think I was in Brno, Czech Republic doing a show and there's a British comic before or after me, I don't remember. And he, uh, <laughs> he has this joke about smoking a cigarette on the metro, the subway. So he just says, right, so I was on the tube smoking a fag. And there's this, like, Czech guy, you know, his English is limited as it is, just, just looking at them. He's, like, looking at them, thinking, I know he could tell the thoughts that are going into his head. He's like, you were doing what to a gay guy through a straw? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you got the British comics, sometimes especially they have these sayings that they need to dumb down. You know, I was on the subway metro having a cigarette. I was mm. not on the tube smoking a fag. You know, it's, it's very different words. <laughs> but that's funny. I was laughing a lot. I, was, I could tell this guy has no idea what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your balance between like cuz you know you know you, you you do know very well that I'm I'm no great fan of like white guys from London for kind of maybe for that reason they can be good right. but they have to be a step above to impress me but I I, I and I yeah. think you've also done a very you've done a very good job of this cuz like people like Marcel Lucant like Christian Schultelow getting the best of Europe to come not just picking off the next white guy from London. Um, do you yeah. are you very conscious of that mix when you're booking the shows? How do you balance that off? Um, well, I I never have just two British comics on a show. I mean, there's a ton of us Aussies, Canadians, New Zealanders, whatever Americans living in London. So 
I never have if a show can be too British because mm. the British comic in England, you know, they, they can be funny usually probably, but do they translate well abroad? So I'll usually maybe cause Xavier in Brussels and Nigel in Antwerp and a bunch of other promoters, they have shows more often than me. Mm. So I'll get some good tips from them. I'll check some clips. I'll maybe double check with um, a couple of really close comedian friends in, in uh, London uh, is is this guy speak slow enough and and you know doesn't have a too thick of an accent all that stuff they gotta they gotta really check a lot a lot of boxes before mm-hmm. what I've actually found recently the last two or three years is like Irish comics they're so they always deliver Good. they're they're, okay. they're they can do crowd work they've got solid sets they're charming a lot of them don't drink anymore <laughs> so they're cheap, cheaper cheaper <laughs> bar tab <laughs> and. They just, they're just, they can do, they just translate so much better. Even though the accent is still an Irish accent, for some reason, it's just much easier to follow for foreign audiences. And it's, uh, they have more, they tend to have maybe longer bits, more storytelling bits as well. Mm. So whereas in England, I think when they come up through the ranks, the open mics, and, and they really have to have, rapid fire five ten minutes to be noticed and known mm. and it's really hard for them to get out of that comfort zone of doing rapid fire no crowd work kind of sets so i really have a, a big sway and um uh preference for especially irish comics recently Hmm. It's and funny it's that you say that the British comedians, and it's true, what you said is true, that they're in their comfort zone because I think the reason they've gotten like that is because the English comedy scene is nothing, is the most uncomfortable place ever. It's a fucking war zone half the time. Absolutely. yeah, And they've had yeah. to be bam, 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 to, bam, bam, to get through. Yeah. Whereas in Ireland, if you try and do sort of, a lot of British comics have a really tough time when they go to Dublin. They just, the audience is like, you taking the piss? You can't even do crowd work? You suck, you know, boo, you know. <laughs> they really like, in an Irish comic, they've honed their skills, both stand-up, longer bits, storytelling, and crowd work, because the audience wouldn't stand for it. You know, mm. they, you, you don't do crowd work well. You, they think you're taking the piss and that you're just like a, you know, tosser. So uh, very interesting. I love this kind of stuff. Talk and also and, and also that the, 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 uh, the foreign comedians... Uh, I mean, non let's say non-native English speakers. That accent, yeah. uh, the accent can often be easier. I have found in my experience for people to understand because it's another non-native accent. So they might yeah. already be speaking a little bit slower than usual. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, Radu Isaac Isaac Radu. Mm-hmm. I always get it mixed up if it's Isaac Radu. Radu Isaac. Anyway, sure have either. Yeah, he, he's in a Romanian comic, quite well known in Romania. And he's in London full time. And uh, there's an Italian guy, uh, Valerio. He did quite well. And then there's a, a Greek guy I've heard is quite good. He's coming over if Corona subsides <laughs> at some point. So yeah, yeah, definitely. People like the, uh, the German, Dutch comics, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We had yeah. Radu booked actually. We had him in Riga, and then I think a Talent gig. And that was one of the ones yeah. where I kind of made a deal with him, like. Can you handle Riga on your own? I'll book you into Riga and set it up if I don't have yeah. to go down and hold your hand. And he went, yeah, right. cool, 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 cool. I'll give you a guy to run the door 
set the venue up as long as I don't, uh, you know, maybe I'll send Carl down. Carl will go. Carl will go do, wants to do a gig. And, yeah, oh yeah, because yeah, that, that, sorry, that actually, yeah, this, so yeah, Radu was supposed to come into Riga and Tallinn and I think in April and we obviously had to cancel yeah. those straight up. But uh, I was looking yeah, yeah, for yeah. when I go, when I was booking Riga particularly and I was, I was going, I'll book you in if I don't have to do much for you. And that is typically mm. a lack of, with respect, a lower level comedian, not up the up the ladder, because they're more likely to look after themselves. They don't, you know, if you give them instructions, they can get from the airport. Where yeah. in Estonia, I kept on upping and upping and upping and like, they're cool people, but this is a comedian. You should go pick them up from the airport. You know, be polite, you know, that and no, I don't know. It depends on the comic. I mean, you got great comics. Roy O'Hanlon, for example, never had, would have to hold hold his hand for anything. He'd okay. find his way anywhere. Right. There's tons of comics who are amazing. Who they in England. You know, they're just used to getting the license plate number of the guy driving them and nothing else. So any other any more information than just a license plate number is like luxury for them okay <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of comics in england uh, mm. you'd be surprised they really can uh, at least the ones who know how to tie their shoelaces in which year they're supposed to fly <laughs> but i think that might be a reflection i think you might be right and it's back to that thing again that um kind of uh, because i didn't have over the years like it sounds like you have maintained those relationships with a lot of different comedians over the years and because you've mm, kept bringing yeah. them out, which is an awesome, awesome thing. And I think for mm. me, as I got a little exhausted from it all, I started to just take from a few agencies. So I just yeah. took from I am agency because uh, with Chris, the manager there, because I got Jamali, I could get Sophie Hagen, I could get uh, Mickey, Mickey Overman. Um, and then- You could get Sophie Hagen out of free will? <laughs> she's very popular amongst other comics <laughs> now joe now now joe <laughs> uh certainly uh that's a demographic that we want to explore as well that there can be different yes. niches yes. and different yes. things like that so uh that's yeah so i started to work with just, you know Absolutely. get comedy uh, a few different so it was easier for me to just work with like three two or three agencies and yeah. just take yeah. their okay. comedians and so that did up it a little bit because I'm dealing with their manager and I've got to make an official kind of budget and shit and say, yeah, okay, I'll take mm. your boy to the airport and stuff. Um, mm. But it was a factor because I wasn't on the ball. No, I didn't actually know who the up and comers were. I didn't know who had just popped and could give me a good hour, but you know, no one had ever heard of before, which it sounds like you've, you've kept that up. Oh, there's a ton, ton. Just ask me anytime an email for a list of anyone and I'll, I'll happily give it to you. Do you get out to the I, UK I much? Do you, do you travel beyond, beyond your tours? Do you travel much? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I, uh, as you know, I love going to Budapest. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, for, for every February or January, the Dave, Dave Thompson, who mm. spends a lot of time there. He's a, he's a comic. Um, he usually books me to host his run of Vienna. And Budapest uh, when he's in South Africa doing gigs, so it's very nice to go there once a year. I usually go twice a year anyway because I do like it there. Hmm. Um, my dad lives in England, so I go to England sometimes to see my dad. That's nice. Um, but otherwise, it's just through the through the shows. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 
it's a weird way yeah. to travel, isn't it? Because it's everything is all about the show. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's pretty, I've got everything pretty much in place. So like, it's like the Holland tour is quite nice. The Wednesday mm. sort of go to Eindhoven, do the show. And then Thursday is an off day already. Oh, good. Okay. So, you know, get a couple of drinks, go to the Amsterdam casino, do <laughs> nothing. You know, uh, my friend, Michael Jaeger, he's a German comic in Amsterdam. He's got a nice Airbnb. Great, great guy. Nice new modern Airbnb. He, I don't even see him sometimes. I got the code get the key, I go in, I relax, then the show on the Friday is in a nice theater, there's a sound guy, all set up, no problem. Mm. And then Saturday is in a cozy theater in The Hague. So it's pretty, pretty. it's almost like a little vacation. Oh, good. And it's nice to, yeah, it's nice. I like the Holland one. You have that, actually. I always had that kind of suspicion that, the, that, that one of the reasons why you did these far-flung tours, because it was a like a little holiday for you. It was a getaway. Yeah. It was a everyone's got to get away. And I think that's, I think when you found, when you're doing those gigs a while ago where you would have, I think you said you would have the first half closer come for flights and hotel. Yeah. I mean, people love gigging abroad and they, uh, any kind of subsidized vacation or excuse to leave, especially England mm. is, is good. <laughs> I used to live in England for six years, so I'm a big fan of the lack of water pressure and the, the, the <laughs> so that's that wait, so that's time. 20 years in Sweden, and then before that was six years in uh, England, was it? More or less. Uh, it, well, long story short, yeah, born in Canada when I was nine, moved to New Jersey in the states. My dad worked for an oil company, mm. and then when I was 11, moved to England. So 88 to 94, went to an American school near London, and then I went back to Canada 94 to 2000 for. Uh, university and college and stuff. Okay. And then moved here to Sweden in 2000. Mm, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Dude, it's a while. That's long yeah, yeah. Getting old. 43, man. Are you almost 40 yet? Yeah, I'm 40. 40. I yet? just turned 40. Yeah, yeah. Like, or whatever, like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm great, Did you man. have a good party? I don't think I did much. Did no, I was real nice. No, what, ah. uh, what was it? I was... It's a weird, okay, it's a kind of, not a funny story, but I, um, I was depressed off my ass last winter. Like, you know, some are good, oh. some are not good. You know, some are, you know, yeah, the yeah, winters yeah. go right. Okay. This wasn't a great one for me, but, uh, I was getting there and, but no, but, um, my, all the comedians and my girlfriend got together and we went for an afternoon to like a video games hall, like a place, cool. like a video games room. And there's a lot of computers. We could play Counter-Strike. They had a VR nice. machine set up. We, I could play racing games all afternoon. There was PlayStations upstairs. Cool. There was food. We played Just Dance. And that was a real afternoon. That was a real nice afternoon. And I had no, like, I had no idea. I was so stupid. Like my girlfriend says, hey, we're going to go to this video. Like she says, I'm not telling you where we're going. And not telling you. And we get up, we go to this weird, like an industrial place in Tallinn and like what the fuck is this right. and then we're going up the <laughs> stairs and I see some signs and it's like video games room and I eventually work out oh we're going to a video games room <laughs> but then we get up there and I'm so dumb even yeah. at that stage I see Carl Carl is there and my thing I thought like oh Carl happens to be here too he plays video games I guess he's just hanging out and it wasn't <laughs> until we got inside and then everybody was there that I was like oh thanks guys oh that was real nice, nice. nice that was a nice one <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Ooh, we've been talking, man. It's been good to Fun, fun, fun. Good to What's talk. The is it? What do we got? I'm um, at, what are you on? 4 I might need to go soon, sir. Sure. What do you got to do this afternoon? What's okay. on your schedule? I have some IKEA deadlines at 
three. I have to check. Oh, it's two thirty two thirty four. So I do need to go soon. All right. You this has been that. really lovely. Yeah, man. It's been nice. So you're doing the trans that's the translation work, is it? Yeah, I work I translate for IKEA. So um basically the products coming out in one or two years there's little signs near all the new products with sort of little bullet points and little paragraphs of why designer designed it. i do all those huh in swedish to english and then my english is sent to all the translators in the world so it's uh, pretty interesting that's great man that's a really good job yeah. to have i'm glad you've got a nice steady thing going on yeah it's uh, tuesdays and wednesdays approximately around 16 to 20 hours a week yeah i love it mate it's nice. work you just, nice we're all just happy to have work right now. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, I, my favorite work is, um, headlining the stage in Tartu. That was fun. <laughs> 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 all right, bro. We're going to, we'll remember do that, Remember the picture Stuart took of me handing a beer to an audience member. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's Legend. a classic image that I still classic. remember of you just before the show. <laughs> Got to get a beer. Got to get another beer. Got to get another beer. So I can give it to the- <laughs> Good times, good times. I love it, bro. All right, Boo, you have work to do, so I'm going to let you go. Joe Egan, thanks for talking to you, man. It was real nice. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Louis Cesaran. Legend. Been a pleasure. All right. Wonderful. Boogie woogie. See you later, Joe Egan. Boogie woogie. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.